Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast With Tony Maradero 55 seconds left in the penalty A minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time Boston 4, Montreal 3 Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side He gives it into Lemaire Back to Lafleur the sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You're in the fall. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la mauvaise. Et ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. Stanley pour les Canadiens. Le match troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to the Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Marinaro, the sick podcast. And I just got a note from Mark Andre Perot. Let me see what it says here. Hold on a second. Uh, I don't have the link, he says. Okay, hold on a second here. Um, Mark Andre, we're going to get you the link. Okay, Mark Andre doesn't have the link. I'm going to get him the link. Here we go. I don't know why. He doesn't have the link, but we're going to get him the link because Marc-Andre Perot of TVA Sports is going to join me tonight, as will Eric Engels of Sportsnet. So we're going to do a uh, three-person roundtable tonight for the first time ever, I believe, on the SIG podcast. I don't know if we've done a three-person roundtable before, or if we did, it's been a long, long time ago. All right, okay. Anyway, uh, I just sent them the link, so it looks like he's going to join us momentarily but that's okay because i wanted to vent a little bit today i wanted to as i'll uh, hold on a second i'll uh, just uh i'll show off my embrace the tank here i've worn it before but so that you can all see it tonight and we're live on uh, youtube as we speak and we're live on facebook and we're live on twitter as i uh, proudly show off my uh the sick team hoodie that i'm wearing with embrace the tank which i got a year ago and a year ago, I was embracing the tank. And one year later, I'm embracing the tank as well. And, you know, I've told you, as I bring an 8.6 beer here, because uh, the Sick Podcast is brought to you in part by 8.6, Intense by Nature. 
Uh, just like Connor Bedard intense, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And speaking of Connor Bedard, he scores another big goal again tonight for Canada. They were down 2 nothing early on versus Team USA. He narrows the lead to 2-1, and then Canada never looked back. And they end up winning by a score of 6-3, to sending up uh, setting up a gold medal game versus Chechia tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Canada is in the dance again. Isn't that good news? The SIG Podcast also brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. And speaking of driving, if you're in the Montreal area, um, I, I, I can tell you that uh, there has been some freezing rain. And if you are driving... Uh, or about to head out any minute now for whatever reason you got to go to work or you got to you know run an emergency or whatever please be careful because the roads are pretty slippery and it's only going to get worse and brought to you by Lacage as well if the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup back in 1993 well it's time you go back to Lacage the menu will surprise you you know there's something that I want to talk about with Marc-Andre Perot and with Eric Engels actually there's several things that I want to talk about but, you know, one of the things is that is starting to increasingly bother me is the criticism of Marty St. Louis, the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Not because Marty St. Louis is exempt from criticism and not because you can't criticize him because he's Marty St. Louis, because I've always believed that if criticism is warranted at that point, you can criticize him. Like Marty St. Louis himself the other night said, you know what, made a mistake versus the Washington Capitals last Saturday afternoon. I should have pulled Jake Allen at one point. I shouldn't have let him in for nine goals. It was my mistake. I'm going to learn from it. But, you know, this, this criticism that I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm reading all over social media, especially on Twitter lately, uh, I got one earlier today that, yeah, yeah, Marty St. Louis, what a tactician he is, a terrible tactician, this, that, and whatever. You know, honestly, I'm, I'm starting, it's starting to upset me. It's starting to upset me. And I'm going to tell you what I tweeted earlier this morning, and I'm going to tell you right now just in case you missed it. And if you did miss it, I'll also tell you that you should follow me on Twitter at Tony Marinaro and also follow at The Sick Podcast. Marty St. Louis is a gift to the Montreal Canadiens. He's a gift. Whoever doesn't realize that is an idiot. Marty St. Louis is one of the best things to ever happen to the Montreal Canadiens organization whoever doesn't realize that is an idiot marty saint louis is one of the best things to happen to the montreal canadians young players whoever doesn't realize that is an idiot marty saint louis is one of the best things to ever happen to the montreal canadians as a development team whoever doesn't realize that is an idiot and for all of you criticizing Marty St. Louis because the Montreal Canadiens are in 27th place out of 32 teams, if you actually thought that they were going to be better than this at this point of the season, almost at the midway mark, well, then you're an idiot too. And I say this with all due respect, by the way, but if you're going to criticize Marty St. Louis for the Canadiens' lack of points in the standings, thinking that you could have more points with the team than they have, you know absolutely nothing about hockey. Nothing. You're the same people that said, yeah, Connor Bedard's picking up seven points versus a garbage team. Let me see him do it versus a good team. You know nothing about hockey. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. It's not for you. 
you know, either don't ever watch again, or if you watch, don't comment. Marty St. Louis has four, maybe five forwards on his team. He's got two of them that produce regularly. And one of them's in a little bit of a slump. He's got five young defensemen, at least three of which wouldn't be playing on a playoff team right now. And he doesn't have a number one goalie, and he doesn't have a 1B goalie. He probably has a 2A, and he probably has a 2B, or maybe even a 2A and a 2C. He doesn't have a team. He got a lot out of them at the beginning of the season, and they most likely overachieved. They went into a difficult part of their schedule, and what had to happen happened. And for all of you criticizing Marty St. Louis, I'm not going to allow you to drive away a great teacher, a great mentor, a great educator, a man who is developing behind the bench and growing as a coach with each and every practice, each and every day, each and every game. And right now, he doesn't have a very good team. And one day when his team is going to be very competitive, he's going to be one heck of a coach. And I'm hoping it's going to be here. But for all of you who are going to try and drive him away, and all of you who know nothing about hockey and are going to hammer him for the Canadians' lack of points in the standings, this sport is not for you. The reality is not for you. And this is where I come back to something that I wanted to see happen last year, and it didn't. And I believe the Canadians made a mistake. And if they could go back, I think they would probably do what I suggested they do last year. And last year, Jeff Gordon, just like he did with the New York Rangers, had to come out with the rebuild letter. Because the rebuild was very clear to me. And I'm sure the rebuild was very clear to Eric Engels. And I'm sure the rebuild was very clear to Marc-Andre Perot. But to some of the idiots on social media, ridiculing Marty St. Louis, making him look like a dummy, obviously the rebuild wasn't clear to them. So maybe if they would have put pen to paper and would have put it on all social media outlets and apps and whatever and all that stuff, issued a press release for everyone to read it so that everyone understood that the Montreal Canadiens were in a rebuild. Why do you think they traded Lekkinen last year and they traded Kulak and they traded Sherratt and they traded Toffoli and they traded them for draft picks and prospects? Most of the prospects not playing in the National Hockey League. Right? Why do you think they did that? Because they're in a rebuild. Why do you think in the offseason they didn't improve themselves at the goalie position? Why do you think they're playing so many young players at the same time and not going out and acquiring veterans? Why do you think they're not going out and trying to find a first-line winger? Why do you think they're not going out and trying to add depth to this team? Why do you think they're not going out and trying to make this team better immediately? Because they're in a rebuild, stupid.
So for all of you criticizing Marty St. Louis, if you don't get this, there's something wrong with you. It's not for you. Either stop watching or stop commenting. That's it. I said what I had to say. I was able to vent. I feel so much better now. Marty St. Louis is a gift to the Montreal Canadiens. He's a gift. Jeff Gordon's a great asset to this organization. Kent Hughes is a great asset to this organization. Marty St. Louis is a great asset to this organization. The scouting staff, we'll see. The jury's out. They brought in some new scouts. We'll see what they can do. That's it. I said what I had to say. I'm not, I'm not going to make some of you on social media have Marty St. Louis get sick of his job or try and run him out of town. I'm not. So that you can get better right away and that. And, and what? And what? So you can win a few. And what? They get a more experienced staff. They get better players. So for what? So instead of finishing 27th, they finish 22nd. They finish 20th. Oh, the culture. Oh. I'll take three more months of pain. Give me a best shot at giving Connor Bedard or someone else in the draft. We have our guys. It looks like we do. I want to say good evening to them. Marc-Andre Perot is a regular on Wednesday nights. Hello. How are you, my friend? You're, you're, you're turning purple. You're so mad. Uh, wow. That or maybe it's uh, it's my high blood pressure, maybe. or uh, oh, maybe probably. It's, uh, uh, my, uh, okay. my, 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 my cholesterol or my blood okay. sugar levels. Hey, by okay. the way, can we bring in Eric Engels? We have Eric. Uh, that's Marc-Andre Perot of uh, TVS Sports. And we got Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Uh, the color could, you know what? I'm, I'm I'm stuffed. I have to tell you, I want to give a shout out to Andrea <laughs> De La Refice and the great staff over at Prima Luna. Guys, have you been before on Henry Barassa in RDP? Eric, have you been before? No, but I did play. I I, I remember the guy who owns Prima Luna was playing golf with a few buddies of mine. Uh, Andrea. Hillsville. He's a super nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Mark Andre, have you been before? I've never. I, I, I mean, I no. I'm not a restaurant type guy. I should. I should be more. Well, um, you know what? Maybe I'll bring you one day, and I can tell oh, you that. Don't make promise. You'll break my heart again. Okay? They were. They were the caterer for the Montreal Canadiens, by the way. Um, last year, uh, still do a lot of stuff for the Montreal Canadiens, and a lot of Montreal Canadiens players actually go there. It's uh, Italian cuisine, Szechuan, and sushi. So you know what? Uh, you can make anybody happy at a restaurant like that. And tonight, on Wednesday nights, is unlimited sushi night with live DJ. And uh, they knew how much we wanted to watch the game. So they had you know the hockey game on, Canada versus USA at the World Juniors on the big screen as well. And, of course, it was Bedard. It was uh, Fantilli. It was Stankoven. It was uh, Fantilli, it was Joshua what? Roy, it was uh, Clark, it was Joshua Roy, and it's 6-3 for Canada. Uh, awesome, eh, guys? Canada, Czechia. Did you, uh, did you think after they lost the opening game to Czechia that they would end up playing Czechia in the final? Which one of us are you asking? Um, honestly, I thought, I thought, you know, the, the Czechs seem to have a really tight team this year. There's something pretty exciting going on with them yeah. that I would not under... It's almost a good thing for Canada that they got beat by them early in the tournament because I don't think they'll underestimate them this time around. 
Um, I would go on. I want to hear Mapper's thoughts on him. Before I do, I just want to say that was an epic Tony Marinara rant right off the top. It wasn't like, you know, like you didn't you didn't take it over the edge like I've heard you do it before. Yeah. But we got plenty of time left in the season, and I think you'll have more people to address. My favorite part, though, was when yeah. you, in the middle of it, said, with all due respect, after calling people idiots for like three yeah. minutes. That was, I thought it was. Clearly, I, I thought... you don't respect these people, whoever they are. Um the yeah. one thing I would say about it, though, on the subject, since we were since you were back there, uh, is I don't think Martin St. Louis is wasting any time with some people on Twitter who are criticizing whatever he's doing out there. He's got his hands full with the Montreal Canadiens. That's for I, sure. I, I hear you, but I, I just, you know, once again, if everybody knew that the Canadians were going to be a very competitive team this year, and instead of being in a playoff position, they're 27 out of 32, and you want to start criticizing his chase of his choice of goaltenders or taking Doc off the first line at one point or separating Suzuki and Caulfield or dressing the five young defensemen. If the context was that and you wanted to do it, no problem. The context is not that. The organization is rebuilding. That's what Jeff Gordon wants to do. That's what Kent Hughes wants to do. That's the message they delivered to Marty St. Louis. He has bought in as well. And these are not emotional people that all of a sudden they're going to deviate from the plan. They have a plan. They're going to stick to it. Can, you know, at one point, will they probably decide to slightly accelerate the plan? Yeah, if they win the lottery and they draft Connor Bedard, they don't have to rebuild for as long as they probably thought that they would. Then all of a sudden, they can start turning the corner. But I, you know, I think all this criticism of Marty St. Louis, I think it's absolute nonsense. I think it's utter stupidity. He doesn't have a team. He, do- he doesn't have a team. Nick Suzuki is his number one centerman. Cole Caulfield is number one winger. Kirby Doc, you know, looks better as a winger than he does as a centerman. But if you put him on the wing, you don't have a second-line centerman. You know, he's had a bunch of injuries. He doesn't really have a number two centerman. It seems like everyone's in the wrong chair by one line. He doesn't have a number one goalie. He probably doesn't even have a 1B. He probably doesn't even have a 2A. He's got five young defensemen. Anyway, I said it before. Mapper, your thoughts? I don't hear you, Mapper. I don't hear you. Yeah, I better I better hear you in the next thirty seconds or so, Mapper. Can you hear me? I hear yeah. you now. I hear you now. Okay. Oh, good. that's why. Okay, so I, I was seeing two things happen yesterday in Nashville uh, that are important to me. Uh, first, after the morning skate, it was optional uh, with the colleagues. We we just wanted to have the line of changes. So we said, you know what? We, we spoke with Marty yesterday. It was, you know, he was generous in his answer. If he wants a break, it's fine. Just just give us the, the change in the lineups. And uh, he was on the stairs making us look bad for not training enough like he is. And then came back and said to the PR, Shal said, no, I'm, I'm speaking. There's no way I'm going to hide. Times are tough, and I'm there to answer all your questions. And it, you don't see that often. It, it was the first time I, I saw a coach who insists to speak because the times are tough, and he said, no, no I'm going to take the eat. For me, that's very important. Second things, obviously, it's a rebuild. And I said it after game one against Toronto. I said it for the next two weeks after that i said 
make sure you you take those good moments and keep them with you because it's going to be tough. And you said it, it it's the, it, it was a tough calendar for, for the Montreal Canadiens and what had to happen, happened. But if you think that they are happy with the way they are playing, it's not true. Marty St. Louis is pissed. When a guy who built his career, who had an Hall of Fame career because of his grit, his will, and he's saying that there are too many passengers on the team, I mean, it, it, it got to make him sick. And after the game, I saw mm -hmm. Jeff Gordon near the dressing room. Okay, they, they, they went to the bus because they were leaving, but I, I, I'm pretty sure they had a conversation with the coaching staff and Jeff Gordon, and they are not happy at all. I mean, it's good, the rebuild, they're going to lose game, they know that, but the way they're losing right now, it's ugly, and they are not happy. When he's saying that his PK can do crap, I mean, it's 12 goals in six games. And we can add one because Brendan Gallagher just had one foot on the eye. So it's let's say it's 13. They, they can't protect. They can't play PK. And in the D zone, it's uh, horrific. I, so they are not happy right now, even if it's a rebuild. I have, two th I have two things I want to say. The first is that, Tony, you're very lucky that you have Mapper on your show regularly because he's the most traveled reporter on the entire beat. You know, I wasn't at the game in Nashville. It's one of the trips that we elected not to do once Ovechkin scored his goals. Tampa, Florida as a back-to-back -back, didn't make a whole lot of sense. Was going to go to Washington, Nashville. Mapper is on every single trip pretty much except for the Saturday night games, if I'm not mistaken, because Renault That's is right. there if Tevia is on the road. But he, you know, for him to bring that insight right off the top and what he just said is one of the reasons why you should follow this guy. It's that's a very insightful thing to say about the coach being offered the day off. The media, Chantal or Shao Segang, who works for them, will come to us and say, Do you need the coach today? Which generally they will almost never ask us that because they know we need him pretty much every day. Yeah. But, you know, after a while, like you said, if he was very generous with his answers the day before and he's, we've, He's been speaking day after day. Yeah, you know it's well, often when, we'll Eric say, when they when they if I can Eric when they ask do you need the coach today it's because they're hoping you're probably going to say no because they think the coach needs a day off. They, yeah, and, off, and, right? and and we believe he does too. And of part course. of the ways that they've circumvented that is that you know it's a, in an, in this new regime is they're okay with the assistant coaches talking. That wasn't the case before, and we always said to them, you know, we have no problem giving the coach day off if you want to make one of the assistants available. Because the fact is, even if I Eric Engels at Sportsnet writing something doesn't need the coach or Marc-Andre Mark on one day doesn't need the coach. Maybe the guy from RDS does. And maybe the television report, maybe the, maybe a couple of writers do because there have certain angles and it's hard to get everybody to agree on that. But that is a huge piece of insight. And, and it says a lot about the character. And it's great yeah. that Marc-Andre shared that because it's, it says so much about the character of Marty St. Louis. And I, I will tell you something. I watched the game from home and wrote about it last night. And what I wrote was that, this is the biggest challenge that Martin St. Louis has faced as coach of the Canadians because like Marc-Andre was just saying, they're not, they don't care about the results and they haven't cared about the results from the beginning, even when they were positive for the first two months of the season. The process is what matters and the process right now is not good enough and not to the standard that they've established for themselves. And I will promise you, just like Marc-Andre just said, that Martin St. Louis takes that very personally. So what I wrote last night was that this is the biggest challenge he's faced because this isn't somebody else's mess that he has to clean up now. This mm -hmm. is. And the second thing is, 
is not only is it the biggest challenge that he's facing as coach of the Canadian so far, it is also the biggest opportunity that he and his assistants have. And that opportunity is to treat this like a simulation because right now the pressure is not on them to win. In fact, their fans would like them to lose as many games as possible. And they know that, but this is important for them to figure out how to, to get out of this dovetail, this, this, this tailspin that they're in to correct the process as fast as possible because there will come a point down the line here where the games do matter and wins do matter. And this is a learning opportunity for Martin Salem and his staff in order to how to get out of this fast so that when it does matter and when the pressure is on to win, they know how to handle it. Because even on good teams where everything goes well for a season, even like the Leafs earlier this year or whoever you want to look at, that's one of the elite teams in the NHL. Mm -hmm. Boston hasn't hit the skids yet, but every team goes through a period where they lose six, seven games in a row or or things are just not going their way. And you have to, if you're a good coaching staff, find the ways out of that quickly. And even with this team with low expectations, this is the challenge that Martin St. Louis has in front of him, yeah. but also the biggest growth opportunity for him as a coach so far in, in Montreal. And it's a good thing because we talk about the development of the team all the time. The development of the coaching staff is real. They have 3,600 games of NHL experience between them as players. As coaches, they have 315 in the NHL. That is Listen, very yeah. little between four guys. And there's no doubt, but there's no urgency to have an experienced staff right now because the objective no. is not to make the playoffs or to win the Stanley No, this is, this is and, the experience they're gaining, right? Correct. This correct. It's the experience, experience they're gaining, and hopefully when the team is going to be competitive, that the entire staff is going to be able to match that level of competition. And if they're not, there's going to be changes at that point. But here's the deal, guys. I'm sure Marty St. Louis would like to win every now and then. Everybody who coaches does. Everybody who plays does. And I'm sure, you know what? If he's going to lose, he'd want to lose 4-3 consistently instead of giving up 6, giving up 7, giving up 8, giving up 9. Here's the deal. Marty St. Louis and all of his five foot seven was the ultimate gamer that we've seen in the history of the National Hockey League. If he wasn't number one, he was a top 10 on everyone's list and twice on Sundays. He's got four or five guys on his team that play a game in every five that don't go to the net, that go through motions, that don't have a heck of a lot of heart on the ice, and that lack a lot of consistency. It must drive him crazy. And when Jeff Gordon went to see him, he probably said, Jeff, I know we're going to lose, but I'm about to lose my mind here because I can't take these two or three or four or five guys. And he's probably saying, you got to get them out of here. And Jeff's saying, Marty, I know, but we're still hoping that they can put bottle together a couple of good performances and we can get something for them at the deadline or the week of. Don't you think that's the conversation? But there, there's a lot of ways of losing. And right now it's it's unacceptable. And uh, you see, I mean, again, when Marty St. Louis is talking about passengers, it must drive him crazy. And he said two days ago, so before Nashville's game, he said, my, my patience is, is, you know, it, it's going away. And I think he lost patience. I, I think I'm... I was not there, but it was. We waited so long for Marty Saint. We after the game, and they had a, a bus to catch to get to the airport. It took like twenty minutes. So something happened, uh, and I, I think I think there's something. Something's coming. Some dish, decisions are are coming, but but there's there's too many guys who are not.
playing hockey right now. Some guys probably we won't see them again on the lineup uh, defensively. And I don't want to, you know, pinpoint Joel Edmondson, but the play on Novak's goal, to me, it, it shows what's happening with this team right now. A, a, a talented guy like Joel Edmondson cannot lose a fourth liner as easy as that and give him giving him a free pass to the net. The goal, the Yossi's goal, I mean, all the guys were on the same side. You learn that at what, six, seven, eight years old, wingers as much as possible, they take the Ds or, you know, whatever. The way they're losing right now, it's unacceptable. So, yeah, and you, he's, and he's you have to crazy. fix it quick. And you have to fix it quick, not yeah. to change the result, but to change something like what you just said, because Joel Edmondson is a valuable piece to the Canadians while he's he here. He's a, a great valuable, guy, great guy, great player. So I don't want to. No, and a valuable piece potentially on the market. And right now, people are going to evaluate Joel Edmondson's game and look at his individual mistakes and say, what's he doing with that? But at the same time, you have to keep things in context. Joel Edmondson is playing with a kid on a nightly basis, no matter who he's playing with. He's playing with somebody who's playing their offside on a nightly basis. He's being asked to, to play in a role that he will not fill on another team if he gets traded. Um, it's, it's one of those situations where if you want him to show better as we approach the deadline, which right now given how few veterans there are in Montreal, there's no urgency for the Canadians to trade Joel Edmondson, but he does represent an opportunity with one more year at $3.5 million, which is a well-covered subject, that he could net you a very valuable asset and a future for the team. Are you in a rush to trade him? No. Are you going to trade him if his value is lower than you expect it to be? No. Uh, but there will be significant interest in this player as we move towards the deadline, and the scouts will keep that stuff within context, but he's going to look worse and worse if you yeah. don't fix the issues generally, because when one guy looks that bad on one play, yeah. it's typically because three others are not doing what they should. And be Eric, he doesn't, he doesn't have them. Patrick Waugh behind them to master yeah. warts either. But I mean, totally agree. Here. And I, I just want to be clear. I, I, I don't want to throw a rock to, to Joel and Manson. I mean, he is a very important part of this team. To me, it just, it's one play. I get it. But well, let's, it, let's throw it, one at, let's show. throw one at Mike Hoffman for a second here, because when we're talking about passengers and the type of game that I saw last night from my couch, again, I wasn't in the arena and there is some nuance missing when you're not there. Like you don't see quite as much as what Mark Andre would have seen from the press box, but I'm telling you right now, I watched this player play and there are some shifts where he gives it his all where, he, where Canadians fans would not even give him credit for how hard he actually works. He made a great play to set up Gallagher in garbage time. It didn't end up mattering. He made a play where he came back and somebody pushed Montembeau and he jumped on top of him. But he has a giveaway on one of the goals like that is just so careless. And you're just like, how, how does this happen from shift to shift where you get something so good from him and so bad? Like Armia, same thing. And, and Marty talked about losing his patience. The patience that he has exercised from the start of the season. Like he gives Armia the best opportunity he could possibly give him and an opportunity that no other coach essentially would to offer zero well. goals on the season. I think Armia's worst game of the season came next to Caulfield and Suzuki, like literally. And and this is a guy that I would have lobbied and said, you know, if you put him there, he might actually play well. Like, yeah, but it's, what it's, did you guys expect from them? That that's the question. What did you expect from Mike Hoffman? But scoring goals. What what did people expect from him? It, it's been the same thing all of his career. So why criticize him for? you know, making mistakes sometimes, not 
back checking is hard not taking yeah, hits the, i mean it, it's the, it's the effort though the effort though mapper has to be there and as one of the older guys on the team that's that's you know totally if they're agree, gonna pay him his, what did you expect 4.5 or whatever it is but yeah but okay look, look, you know what, what what do you expect let's put the cards on the armia Let's because put the Armia card. is the guy that that now we know everybody has talked his potential, his potential, his potential. All he has had is potential. He has never realized his potential. <laughs> exactly. Going to, but like, the Jets traded him for, but, for pretty much nothing. So what so, did we expect? So, so now we're talking about we started with Hoffman. We're talking about Armia. Let's put the cards on the table, okay? Without without wanting to insult any because insulting somebody is actually saying something that's not true. Okay. So now let's put the cards on the table and on the sick podcast. We say the real truths, okay? Where on other shows, maybe they don't hear. We don't hold back. It is what it is. And the truth shall set you free. Hoffman, Drouin, and Armia. Uh, pardon me. Hoffman, Drouin, and Dadanov. They talk about playing a 200-foot game. They play a 50-foot game on 200 feet. Don't give me an example or two of one guy actually playing a 100-foot game for two shifts out of a 1,000 shifts. I don't want to hear it. Hoffman. Drouin and Dadanov play a 50-foot game. They play a game that when they have the puck, for the most part, they're interested. When they don't have the puck, for the most part, they're not interested. They play a game where they go through a lot of motions at this stage of their career, and sometimes it looks like they're working, but they are pretending to work. Now, Yol Armia and Josh Anderson, even for that matter, they play one, our, our Anderson plays one in every four, and Armia plays one in every eight. So what do we want? Jake Evans, I think, has a couple of points. Pazetta, God love him, he's limited. He is what he is. So what do we want from Marty St. Louis? But why? if we would give this team to Scotty Bowman, they would be a playoff team? No! And this is what's driving Marty St. Louis crazy. The, the ultimate competitor, the ultimate gamer, the ultimate worker, and he's got five guys on his team that way he wants to pull out his hair, but he doesn't want to lose them. So he's keeping them in his head, but he's gaining white hairs by the day. I think that's what I think that's what makes him a good coach is he's not losing it with those guys. He's trying to inspire confidence in some of those guys. He's trying to get them to prescribe to a certain plan and he can only do what he can do. He can't step on the ice and play the games for them. You never want to hear a coach say those things. Like I remember towards the end of Claude Julien's tenure, he kept saying, I can't get on the ice and play the games for them. I don't think anybody wanted to watch that anyways. But, you know, like it's but at the same time, like Mark, I think this is one of the biggest strengths that Marty has. And one of the reasons he's gained so much respect in such a short period of time as a coach, because we know what his credentials are as a Hall of Famer. These guys that you're talking about, yes, I'm sure it frustrates him. And and I could, you know, I don't necessarily share the same opinion as you, Tony, and Mapper might have a different opinion. Like Drew, I think there's confidence issue there based on injuries and just his past and just what how things have gone in Montreal. Dadanov, I think, was lost. It's six years, Eric. From early, I, no, it's I sixth year, Eric. I'm not making excuses for Jonathan Drew. I know you're not, but it's, it's the sixth there. year. And by the way, I'm more sympathetic towards him having yeah. gone through what he did. Over the other guys, like Dadanov like that, was lost from the beginning of the season. Dadanov's I mean, the ultimate just, disgrace. Nothing, you come here, it's yet. a new team, and you show nothing. I mean, yeah, one yeah. chance. Uh, I think he, I think he felt like he didn't have a place on the team, and therefore hasn't attempted to really make. Yeah, it but he, Marty tried to give him a spot. You remember he he tried to put him on the PK game. Well, I think that was the problem. 
and, I think I mean, the problem Eric, is that he was always a power play guy, and all of a sudden, yeah. He's like, and, but I just want to yeah. say that you're totally right when you say that Marty Saint Louis is the ultimate players coach, and he's gonna do anything to get the uh, the, the you know the confidence up. He did that with uh, Mike Hoffman, saying that he's playing with grit and he likes the you know the, the way he's playing and blah blah blah. Okay, so he really wanted to pump his tire. He said pretty much the same thing about Armia Drouin. I you know what. And I, I don't want to, you know, be a, you know, trying to, to, to save Jonathan Dwayne, but he's playing good hockey right now. Not the best hockey we can expect from him, but he, he's playing really decent hockey. So I, I would put him out of the list as, you know, well, I mean, it, it depends what the standard is compared to the hockey that he used to play. It's better. But I mean, uh, at the end of the day, if you're Jonathan Drew, you got to produce. If you don't produce, right. then we're talking about effort, though. Like right now, we're talking about effort. Yeah. Right? And, no, and yeah. the effort is is inconsistent from Armia. And I think it's largely related to his confidence. The effort's really inconsistent from Hoffman, you know, and a guy who has the talent to be a game breaker. And like Mark Andre said, of course, I didn't expect that Mike Hoffman was all of a sudden going to become Sidney Crosby on the back deck. But at the same time, he's a veteran who's being paid a certain amount of money on the team. And like, even if he's not going to produce at the level that's expected of him, he can't be carelessly giving away the puck. Like it just doesn't matter to him. Like it's, that's something that he can't, but what did you expect? Right? Yeah. (laughs) Not that that much. (laughs) It all comes down to this. To, you know, but you know, guys, 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 you talked about Drewing's effort, though. He has to have more effort than the other guys. He's playing for his NHL life right now. Yeah, but if and, he and doesn't as, show us something between now and the deadline, yeah. he won't be back in the next. And as Marty said, and as Marty said, even if his effort has been better, he can take it to another level, and he absolutely can. Like, no, he, of course, he can take it to another level, and if he did, he would end up producing. You know, like it's yeah, and, and, yeah, and that, that's the key because. Uh, Claude Julien said it, uh, Michel Therrien said it, wherever you are in the lineup, at one point you have to produce. And Marty saint we pretty much said that about Joel Armia because he had some good chances. Anyone who was watching oh, yeah. last few games, Armia could have scored like five, six goals easily, uh, but he doesn't. And at some point, if you're not bringing something really important like Jake Evans was doing at the beginning of the season and not putting points. Well, it's, it's not working guys. I'm having fun with this chat and I know everyone watching right now over 570 on YouTube live. You had Twitter, you had Facebook and I wouldn't be surprised if we're close to a thousand, but I want to, I want to get back to something I said earlier on, you know, we talked about some of the criticisms that we're seeing in vis-a-vis Marty St. Louis and we're reading and stuff like that. I believe the organization made a mistake by not issuing a rebuild letter a year ago, or at least in the off season or before the season. Do you agree or disagree? We'll start with you, Mapper. Well, pretty, well did, did we really need a letter? I didn't, because, but clearly those who are criticizing St. Louis do. Yeah, but I mean, when you're using a word or you, you, you're you doing that, you're, you expose yourself to, to other kind of criticisms. I, I mean, it, it, it's obvious. It's obvious that the team is rebuilding, and no, I don't need a letter. <laughs> Short answer. Eric, yes or no? No, don't need the letter, and uh, it is obvious, and it, you don't need to cater to the minority either because I really do think that the majority of Canadians fans understand this really well. It just so yeah. happens that the people who don't, you hear from them more because it's always those people who are the loudest, right? Like, at the end of the day, we're talking about a Twitter sample, right? Like, I've learned over time, and I think even the players have too. I even had a talk with Brendan Gallagher about this, that 
Twitter is not necessarily representative of the larger population and what people think. It's kind of a microcosm and and um, good point. You know, and you, you, it is a place for people who are vocal to be vocal. And the majority, if you look at populate the population in general, take it outside of sports. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is extroverted. Not everybody has uh, the comfort level to come on a podcast and talk and share opinions and criticize mm-hmm. or whatever it is and be honest. Or, you know, like a lot of people keep their opinions to themselves and say something when they have something to say, whereas Twitter is yelling into the void for a lot of people mm-hmm. as well. And and you don't have to take those guys seriously. And that's why when you talk to players now, a lot of them were really into what was said on Twitter before, and a lot of them were following quite intently. And now when they say, I've kind of shut it off, and I like we were, I remember we were in uh, Vancouver earlier this year talking to Bo Horvat and uh, Arpin Basu, our, our colleague, asked him, you know, like, how are you? You're in a contract year. The noise around Vancouver is insane all the time. Like, how have you been able to manage it? And I think we were both asking him questions kind of relating to Nick Suzuki and his first year as captain. And Bo Horvat said, one of the best things I did was turn my mentions off on Twitter. Awesome. Like created like, so again, maybe it's something that we should all heed that kind of advice because honestly, I don't think the Canadians are sitting obsessing about what the vocal minority has to say about Twitter. Like, we didn't need a letter to let us know. Like the GM came out at the beginning of the year, never at once talked. He said, I don't think we're going to be in a situation where we can make the playoffs this year. I mean, uh, that's, yeah. If that doesn't spell it out for anybody, I mean, who are we really talking to? Who are we catering to with the messaging? So a shout out to Playground over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. It's a sick podcast. Marinero, Mark Andre Perot, and Eric Engels. Somebody told me early on when I started podcasting, Tony, this isn't radio. You don't have to mention actually who's going to be on the show because everyone tuning in already knows. And guess what? I just did it. Uh, but anyway, okay. Uh, you know, you talked about Brendan Gallagher before. This is not going to be a popular thing that I'm going to say. And uh, I often say things that aren't popular, and I'm going to say them anyway, because I have no reason. I have no way of actually proving what I'm actually going to say. So I'll just give you my gut feel more so than anything else. When we talked about Marty St. Louis being in a bad spot before because he has passengers, okay, and 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 those are guys that know that they're going to be dealt between now and the deadline, and it's not working here, and it's not working out. Or... Brendan Gallagher is not a passenger. Brendan Gallagher is the furthest thing from a passenger. He has incredible professional pride, personal pride. He wants to win, and he's never won the Stanley Cup. Joel Edmondson is the same way, with the difference being that he won the Stanley Cup. I think David Savard is a guy who leaves everything on the line, with the difference being that he, too, also won a Stanley Cup. You think those guys really want to be part of a rebuild deep down inside, like you, Brendan Gallagher will never admit that he loves Montreal. Do you think he wants to be here knowing that the team is going to finish in the last five or six? This guy wants a chance to win a Stanley Cup. He's not going to say it publicly because he's just a Montrealer through thick and thin, but that has to be tough for Marty St. Louis too. And, you know, like, and the thing is, if Brendan wanted to go somewhere, they might not be able to trade him because his contract's too high. That's the, that's the, the end of the of the discussion right there. 6.5 for the next four years. A guy who is broken, but his heart is not broken. Uh, does he want a chance to win the cup? 100% chance that the answer is yes, because they all want to win. They all want to have their name on the Stanley Cup, but he's not 
tradable. Do you, is that a word in English? Tradable? Yeah. 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 So he's not tradable, and uh, that's to me it's not even a question because of that. Eric. Yeah, listen, I have come to know Brendan pretty well. Did an interview with him at the beginning of the season to produce a you know a long feature on him. And Brendan's a pro. And Brendan's objective going into the season was to play the very best he could so that he's not in a situation where A, he's not tradable, or B, where anybody's discussing what the future might hold for him here or there or anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can say this. I'm not a fan of, you know, when when we are on the road and we are around the, the team, there are certain things that we see. Uh, and I'm not a fan of seeing a guy who's injured in the press box, noticing something about him and rushing to Twitter to talk about what the injury is or this or that. What I would say about his injury is it's not the injuries that, that, you know, held him back over the last couple of years. It's a different injury. It's a new injury that was suffered during the season and he's missed a month and come back and all of a sudden tweaked it like two games in a row. You can see he went hard into the boards and came up limping. Um, everybody knew it was a lower body injury. I don't want to like talk specifically about what it is, but it's not the hip injury that hurt him and created he's the back he's issue. Laboring. The he's laboring and for sure. If I, if I can add something at the practice in Nashville, the, the day before the game, there was a collision with Joel and Manson and he limped. He went yeah. – to the on the bench on yeah. the bench yeah and he stayed there for a few minutes and I mean he was obviously in pain and we didn't know if he would finish the practice he did he played so that's very important when I'm I'm saying he's not tradable and you're right Eric he's a pro and no matter what the situation is that he wants to win or he wants to win in, uh, somewhere else He's always going to give 100% on every shift. But now his 100% is not 100 because of the no. injuries. And you, and you, when hey, vehicle, Tony. When a vehicle is involved in several accidents and you bring it to the garage and you bring it to the body shop, you can fix it all you want. It doesn't run the same. And Brendan has been involved in several accidents. And by accidents, I mean a broken hand one year, another broken hand another, a hip injury one year, a groin injury another year, a concussion one year. You know, he's been to the garage several times. The car doesn't run the same. I'm going to say something. You talked about saying something unpopular. I'm going to say something unpopular right now that I'm sure a lot of Canadians fans would disagree with. I love that drawing on your wall, though. Like, I just keep on looking at (laughs) it. This painting, this girl, Jess uh, Jess B. Art on Instagram, she does Canadians paintings, and I had her commission this. I commissioned this painting from her to make The Grateful Dead and my favorite band. Anyways, I'll get back to that. But I want to share a very unpopular opinion right now. Go for it, Eric. Right now, with the Canadians in the current state that they're in, even though he's playing clearly through an injury, Brendan Gallagher is one of the most important players in that room right now. Right now. You're right, Eric. Because you cannot cannot allow that culture and that style and that way, the the type of mistakes that are – you need guys with the type of pride that Brendan Gallagher exhibits on a daily basis. Guys like Joel Edmondson and David Savard who, like you said, Tony, I guarantee you, they're not ambitious about being a part of a rebuild and about losing game after game or whatever it is or being in a process where the young kids will come to fruition two, three years down the line and they'll be out to pasture by that time and not get to enjoy the fruits of their labor. But you need those players right now to dig out of this, not to get wins, but for the process to become healthy again. And that that, that is what makes him a pro. David Saval yesterday came back after missing, what, 13 games? Uh, 
I think it was in the first. I'm two sure minutes. he would have been out longer if if oh. if there was an urgency. I'm sure Probably. he would. I would be still lying on the, on the couch. But it, it took two minutes. He blocked the slap shot on his uh, left ankle. So the, the, there's there's only one way David Savo is playing. Same thing for Brendan Gallagher and I. Joel Edmondson is not playing good hockey, but there's when Marty Saint Louis is talking about passengers, I have a hard time imagine a passenger look one of these three guys in the eyes and not be ashamed of being a passenger. Because these guys, whatever their what their future is, they are not passengers. So when you don't have a ton of professional pride, you don't get ashamed all that easily. I mean, guys that are passengers are, look, you do what you do for a living, Mapper. I think you do it very good. Eric, you do what you do for a living. I think you do it very good. In all humility, I think I'm pretty good at what I do. If I wasn't, I wouldn't have lasted 20 years. Here's the deal. We have professional and personal pride. And that is one of the things or two of the things that fuel us every day. We, we take a look in the mirror every day. And we say to ourselves that I do the best that I can do today. And some days are better than others. And when we admit to ourselves that today wasn't our best day, we make sure that the next day we come back, we not only give 100%, we try to give 130 or 140. So we try and make up for the day before. That's professional and that's personal pride. Wanting to be number one at what we do, no matter what the situation or what the circumstance or what the budget or what no budget or whatever. We just were fueled and wired that way. I believe I can say that um, speaking even for you guys, all right? Some of the players that we talked about, they don't have it. I don't know, man. I don't think any and I don't think any guy who makes it to the NHL does so purely on talent. It's too good of a league. You don't There's hold on a second. Eric, Eric, you We're don't think it. that some guys have made this league because they're just so good at what they do and not because they love what they do and not because they work so hard at what they do. You don't think some guys make this league on talent alone? On talent alone, no, it's it's pretty it's pretty impossible. It's a really rare case, and whoever does doesn't wow. last very long. But I will say this: while I agree that effort can be substandard, just like it would be for you on a given day, or Mapper, or myself, I'm not perfect. There are days where honestly I just don't feel like doing it, and I don't do as good of a job as I would like to. And it's, some of it is confidence. We all have crises of confidence at times, and I think when we're talking about some of the specific players that we've mentioned on this show, confidence is at the root of a lot of things, including sometimes an effort that's substandard. If you don't believe in yourself to the degree that you need to, sometimes it's really hard to give your best effort at it. Um, you know, yes, for the most part, I agree with what you said. I think we all try to show up the next day and give 130% if we were at 70 the, the day before. Um, and we all strive for consistency and want to do the best job possible. And I, I have a hard time believing that anybody that makes it that high up the rankings is saying to themselves, I don't want to do the best job. I just want to collect my pen. Did you like, did you read the piece in Pierre Gervais' book regarding Alex Kovalev where he said that Kovalev, in his opinion, is the best raw talent to ever play for the Canadians in the 35 years that Gervais worked for the Canadians? And he recalled a conversation where he said to Alex Kovalev, he said, Alex, you know, maybe it's not my business, but I have to ask you, like, like some nights you're the best player in the world and most nights you're like just 
better than average why. And Kovalev looked at Gervais in the eyes and he said to him, he said, if I'm going to play the way I'm capable of playing, they're going to want that every night. And he chose to be a racehorse who paced himself instead of being a thoroughbred a la secretariat. I think, who would I think he said, I think day. it was that he said that he, if he scored two, they'd want three. If he scored three, they'd want four. Look, I don't disagree. Players can become disenchanted with the whole thing, especially when the expectations become that they're going to be superhuman every single night and they've been put on this pedestal and it's a hard pedestal to stand on in that spotlight. And not everybody is made for that. There's all kinds of reasons why effort wanes eventually. And yes, they get paid a lot of money to play a game, but we shouldn't diminish the mental where I'm not apologizing for these players. And yes, there are nights where you, me, Marc-Andre, anybody on the beat is going to have to say their effort was substandard and people should know that it was substandard. But yeah. at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that go into that. And and I look at Alex Kovalev specifically. Like, Think about Alex Kovalev and what it took for him to get to the NHL, what he lived through in Soviet you know, communism era oh, where he no was problem. living as a young kid, like torn away from his family in a dorm with rats, you know, around and playing hockey and like didn't know if he'd make it out of the country and coming over here and winning the Stanley Cup as a young kid. You know, he had success very early and then to continue on. Like, anyways, I, I just think there's a bunch of things that go into this. Like, I look uh, at Drew, all that is Drew true specifically, like he gets slaughtered in this market. Yeah. No, no, like, all that even is when true. When he's playing well, he gets slaughtered. Like, all that is true. And I could be wrong here because I, there's never been um, anything to, to actually prove that what I'm going to say next is actually true. And there's never been anything to actually prove that it's not true. I believe Alex Kovalev was born with a gift. And I believe there are some players in every sport, there are some players that are born with a gift. Lionel Messi, I'm sure Lionel Messi works very hard. I think Lionel Messi was born with a gift, a gift from God. God gave Messi to soccer, to football. And I, I think God gave Kovalev a gift. And, and uh, you know, there's, once again, you know, doesn't mean I'm right. I mean, I could very well be wrong with what I'm saying here, but I I, I just, I think some players are born with a gift, and I think he was one of them. But I, I don't think any player go to the rink and saying, well, tonight I'm, I'm not going to play 100%. But there's one thing. A hockey team is like a society. So... When your goal and you just live to get to the NHL, when you get there, the the challenge is you know to to, to keep on wanting more. But for some guys, it, it becomes normal. Like for us, being beat reporter, doing a show, it, it becomes normal at some point. And it's not anyone who has the will to you know always get better, taking a hit to do the next extra thing. It, it's just normal. You, you can't expect the same thing from all the people mm -hmm. and to me that that's very important because for us it's not normal i mean you're playing in the nhl it is not normal you're multi-millionaire and you're, you're you know you have the a dream life but for them at one point it's just human nature it becomes normal so now you see the real personality the real character traits you say that yeah of course 100 so, so, so you, you can't expect the same thing from everybody it's just not that way because everybody's different. So you have to keep that in mind as well. Guys, uh, I so appreciate your time. It just, this seems like one of these conversations where 
I don't know what the uh, the Guinness World Book of Records is for podcasting nonstop. I think Agnello told me it was six straight days or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if that's correct. But I actually think that if we would go all three of us, I think we can break the record. But I know we can't because tomorrow you guys have to work and you got to go to morning skate and you got to work the game tomorrow night as the Montreal Canadiens of Coast. We're not going to talk about Joshua. Uh, yes, we are going to talk about Joshua, but that's what I was getting at. There's just one or two more things that I want to talk about before we call it a night. In the meantime, enter our giveaway with sportbuffshop.com. We're giving away a Canadian's hat and a Canadian's T-shirt, as well as a Sport Buff Shop gift certificate. Go to our Twitter, at the Sick Podcast, to see the details and to see how to enter. There's two things I want to talk about in regards to the World Juniors. Joshua Roy is one of them. But first and foremost, Yuri Slavkowski. I know that hindsight is 2020, and I know it's easy to talk now, but you can count me among those who have been saying for the last month now that I would have sent Yuri Slavkowski to play for Slovakia at the World Juniors for many, many reasons. <clears throat> Guys, now that it's said and done, and Slovakia has been eliminated, and Yuri Slavkowski did not go. Knowing what we know and knowing how Slavkowski has played in the last three or four weeks and he hasn't produced, if Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes could go back, do you think they would send them to the World Juniors? Eric? No, but I think there might be a time real soon in the near future where he ends up in the AHL and that's going to be provided that they could create an environment there where they know that He's going to be targeted a lot more in the AHL than he would be in the NHL. They they have to have people around there that could protect him. And so I, I think if, uh, look, he's coming up on 40 games. You know, once he plays 40, he, you know, he triggers that first year towards free agency uh, or, or one year less towards free agency. And I don't know if tomorrow will be his last game in Montreal before he goes to the AHL. And I don't know if the Canadians really care about that whole situation because even if they send him there i think they'd like to give him another look in the nhl before the season ends see what the progress has been but look you know i see you talked at the start of this about criticism levied towards uh marty saint louis and most of it is coming from where slavkovsky is playing in this lineup and i gotta tell you if you are watching these games and i'm not knocking slavkovsky he's an 18 year old kid playing in the hardest league in the world i don't care if he was picked first overall or 100 percent Hardest market. This this is the hardest market, the hardest team. And like, this is normal what he's going through right now. And if, if I'm Marty St. Louis, Joe Thornton had seven points as an 18 year old rookie. Yeah. And he played five minutes a game, by the way. Yeah. I have no issue if people want to direct the criticism towards me on this one, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I was coaching the Canadians, I would not be giving him higher opportunity than he's getting right now. And I, I would be very seriously contemplating giving him the opportunity now to go down for a series of games. I don't know if it's two weeks. I don't know if it's two months, whatever it is. But I know this because I spoke to members of management about it. They want to ensure that if they send Slavkovsky to the American Hockey League, that much like in Montreal, there is somebody like Arbor Jacki or Michael Pizzetta around that he's not in a situation where, because he's going to be targeted more in the AHL than he would be in the NHL. In the NHL, he's another player among 12 that are targeted yeah. on a nightly basis. Of course he, he will, because he's the goal. first pick overall, Eric. And yeah. 
And he'll be playing 20 minutes a game. And he's going to demand the puck more, and he's going to have the yeah. puck more, right? And so, we, we we saw since the beginning of this season that protecting himself is not his biggest strength. He has a lot of learning to do on, on, on this side. Uh, I, I was a fan at the beginning of the season, so before the season began, to send him in the AHL because Eric said it. I mean, he's 18, so basically... Remember we had that whole debate, you and me? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think they were right starting him on the NHL, but let's not forget, he could play for the Huaynagada Huskies for the next two seasons. He's a kid. Yeah. So, Mapper, me, I, think, I think they were worried about two things, okay? And not that they're worried about public opinion, but if they would have started Slavkowski in the American Hockey League right away, the whole market would have said, oh, my God, bust, they screwed up with this kid. He's in the NHL. That's number one. I don't number know. Two, I don't they know. They probably that. were worried about his confidence. They probably were worried about his confidence. How will he react if they send him to the NHL? But, guys, having said all that, I don't see what the drawback would have been to send them to the World Juniors. There's no one who's going to change my mind on this one. They made a mistake by not sending him. You could have only – Fair opinion. Fair opinion, but – you know, it's easy to, to, to play the Monday morning quarterback. And they thought at this point that it was not the best thing for him. Would they do it differently? Knowing what happened in the last few weeks? Maybe, probably. But I, I'm with Eric on that. I, I, I think he's going to need to go down for, for a few games because it's just too much. And right now you're not... And he's a great kid. And he's a hard worker. Yeah. I have no complaints on that. And yeah. So let, let's be clear with that. I just think he needs to take a deep breath and dominate again. Because he, he was always the most dominant guy. And right now he's not playing good minutes. He's not playing a lot of minutes. Uh, he looks lost on the ice sometimes. So And there there's no shame sending him sending a kid down for a few games and maybe even finish the season. So Mapper, we'll see, but uh, yeah. Last topic. I've kept you guys already for so long. It's supposed to be your night off. It's unbelievable what you guys, how much you guys bring to the table. Yeah, oh, hockey for a living. We, we, we love it. How much value like, you bring. Wait to till we, we, we ask for the check. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm going to end it in a minute. Cause if I don't, you're going to end up charging me time and a half. Okay. Joshua. Roy. Uh, we knew that. He looked to be a fantastic fifth-round pick by uh, Mark Bergevin and his scouts uh, last year. He racked Serge up a Boisvier. ton. Of, yeah, he Serge racked Boisvier up. A, deserves a Serge, lot of Serge Boisvier is the, the the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League scout, of course. He racked up a ton of points last year, and now he's with Team Canada at the World Juniors, and he's playing on a line with Connor Bedard. And tonight, in their most important game to date in this tournament, which is the semifinal because it's the most important game to date, and the next most important game is going to be tomorrow. That's going to end up being the most important game. But he comes up big with a couple of goals, and now the big question is, can what he do translate to the National Hockey League level? Eric, I know you're not a scout. I know I'm not a scout. I know Mapper's not a scout, but what does your gut tell you on Joshua Roy based on what you've seen? Uh, I mean... We talked about talent before, dude. This kid's got hands. Listen, I, I know you want to get up and out here, but I have a little bit of a story to share here. About hey, listen, listen okay? I'm, 119 this... points last year in the queue, led the queue in scoring. Yeah. Okay, so we knew that coming into this year, this kid can stand around and score at will, basically, in the in the queue. Um, 
this is what's exciting about it. and Joshua and listen, look at look at all the kids that the Canadians had in the World Junior. Now it's seven that Owen Beck has been there. Owen Beck was fantastic tonight for Canada. And Lane Hudson, when they gave him an opportunity to play because they were chasing the game, he didn't play as much when the game was close. He played more when they were chasing the game because they know what kind of offense he could produce. And when you see the puck on his stick in the offensive zone, you see exactly what's going to happen with that kid. He's going to be a really good player. There is, but the main theme of the Montreal Canadian season here is development. So I'm going to tell you a story about Joshua Watt and development. Yeah. Because not only did he take on the personal approach of losing a lot of weight coming off the season because he was told, hey, like that time to get key. serious. Okay. Great sign. And like Mark Andre said, recognizing the talent, Serge Boisbert deserves credit. Scouting. Great. Development, though. Okay. Um, play, people on the Canadians development staff went to go watch Joshua before the World Juniors uh, in the queue and noticed look, he's racking up points, but he's not doing as much of the dirty work. And it's reflected in the analytics they're collecting on his game. That's that's and, that's that's a label that a lot of Quebec-born hockey players who play in the and, queue have well, had well, going is, back thirty years. This is where it gets good because Joshua can stand around on the sides, wait for the puck to come to him, and bury it. You could, you, yeah. like you just said, the thing that you noticed tonight, the hands clearly great. This is what I like. Canadians development staff sees him, says, you know, he's not getting involved on the inside enough. He's not doing this. Is it reflected in the numbers? Yes, it's reflected in the numbers. Let's have a conversation with him because we want to tell him. We're not looking for you to be the leading scorer of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. We're looking for you to become an NHL player. And this is what you're going to have to do in the NHL to become an NHL player. So what does he do? He takes that and starts instituting it immediately in his game. And all of a sudden, the analytics show that he's doing it properly. And he Almost comes- like the same conversation that Scotty Bowman had with Steve Eiserman, who said, you're a fantastic yeah. individual player, but we don't want you to be the point getter that you are and the individual talent that you are. We want you to be a Stanley Cup champion. So to wrap, wrap up the story, he's got 119 points last year. He's got 43 this year through whatever many games, way less games played. 26. Uh, he's scoring at will. He's scoring at will. And he starts doing that other stuff that you need to do in order to be a real effective NHL player. And he goes to Team Canada, and they see him as a fit on a line with the best player in the world at that level. And not only that, they see him as an elite penalty killer, which clearly he exhibited in this game. You talk about the hands standing out to you. Let me sh- tell you what stood out to me watching Joshua Watt play this game and play this tournament so far. He's doing all the dirty work on his line. He's the guy digging the puck out of the corner to give it to Bedard. He's the guy setting up the play through traffic. He's the guy, when he scored his goal, slipped right through two defenders in the home plate area of the slot. If those are the habits that are developing with this player, and this is what the development staff specifically focused on with him in the lead-up to the World Juniors, something right is happening here and it should be the most exciting thing for Canadians fans right now because this is the most important process that the entire team is entrenched in and it's not just Hua, it's Beck, it's Hudson, it's Kapanen in Finland, it's Engstrom with Sweden, it's all these kids that are there, it's Adam Nicholas on the ice with the Canadians on a daily yeah. basis working with their players and their young players, look at how <laughs> Caulfield has developed in the NHL outside of just the goal scoring, does he have work to do in his own zone? Yes. Is he becoming better defensively up the ice? A hundred percent. He's becoming a much more complete player. So when yeah. you talk about Marty St. Louis off the top and you talk about development and all these things, Joshua Watt is a phenomenal example of how this is changing now. I've liked him more working. than Shane Wright in this tournament. He's been great. 
Yeah, it's a no-brainer. And one one more thing, and it shows he's a good kid, and he's and there's a lot of good kids. And I I, I just wanted to share you something happened in Arizona, Tempe. The team is traveling. It's ten o'clock. I go to the gym. Who's there? Jordan Harris, Uri Slavkovsky. Ten o'clock. <clears throat> after having the lunch so what i wanted to say because the eric story is great and i just wanted to add that joshua Hua is a good person good kid and he's becoming a hard worker and there's a lot of good yeah. kids and the hard working kids in the team and that's very important i go to the gym every day too the wi-fi is really really strong there <laughs> i mean i can tell you're pumping a lot of iron yeah, yeah, I'm pumping all right. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. <laughs> does does a fork is is made with iron or? Oh, my God. <laughs> Marc-André Perot of TVA Spar, Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Roger Delaney says, Mapper and Eric, two favorites on the same show. This has been absolutely priceless. It really has. Guys. I don't know how to thank you. Thank you so much. This was, I got to tell you, we're two years in on the sick podcast. I don't know how many shows that translates to, uh, but this is, this is, uh, I think one of the, the most memorable. I really, really enjoyed this chat tonight. And, uh, uh, we got to do this roundtable more often. Uh, it was like uh, playing on the same line as Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux for me tonight. So yeah, I, thanks I, to you guys. I, I don't know what's the play center, but I have no interest in playing two hundred <laughs> foot game or defense. So I'm playing wing. By the way, put me on wing, left or right, it doesn't matter. But I'm uh, Mapper. Are you I'll a just have the best or? seats in the house. Are you a centerman, or we're going to give it to Angles? Uh, let's give it to Eric. He's he's more intelligent. I mean, I'm just. Oh, uh, like... Eric's got the higher IQ. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, I would have gladly been Dale Howarchuk watching that all unfold. So it's all good. You guys, uh, it was it was fun for me and Tony. Thanks for yeah. for having us on a weekly basis. It's fun being with Eric you. Was, uh, Eric was Eric. Eric is Joshua Roy. Yeah, uh, I don't work that yeah. hard. I'm working on it. <laughs> okay, being as humble as I am, I'll say that I'm Connor Bedard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. I'll be hey, a guys, one back. Guys, I want to take this. And that kid is good. Yeah, Owen Beck Isn't is he? Owen <laughs> Beck is really he could end up being the steal of the draft, guys. He's so smart uh, and he's so good. At 33rd overall in the second guy. round, he could end up being the steal that you talk about cerebral players, right? For centermen, yeah. you want cerebral, you want committed, you want well, intelligent, you I, want I've been told he's he's like Patrice Bergeron at the same level. So I'm I'm not saying and I, I said that earlier. Yeah, I'm not saying he's gonna become uh, Patrice Bergeron in the NHL, but Comparing Patrice Bergeron when he was in the queue and Owen Beck right now, it's the same. Tony, so. you said that you said the jury's out on the scouts. They got him and Hudson in the second round of the draft. Yeah. 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 That could well, end up becoming a legacy kind of thing for them. Yeah, no, well, the jury's out because of course, um, you know, not here yet. Uh, and, and Nick Bobrov is 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 not unanimous with the fan base, right? Oh. So that's what I meant by that. So let's we'll have to wait and see. And, uh, you know, for those who are, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the Slavkovsky pick, by the way. I mean, I, you know, we, we talked about him and maybe he'll end up in Laval and stuff like, but you know, I, I don't Good have kid. a problem with, you know, you know, Good like kid, I, I, hard it, worker. It, it was, it was one of those drafts where no one's, I, I just, I get the feeling no one's going to end up being the slam dunk number one pick, 
But, you know, I think Simon Nemec is going to turn out to be a great pick for New Jersey. I think David Juracek is going to end up being a great pick. I love Maybe Lane, Lane Hudson will be the slam dunk. Who and knows? Maybe Lane Hudson. Well, that's I a know, long when shot, I talk but... to this, I'll say this about Slavkovsky just as we were wrapping up. The scouts that I speak to think he's going to become a top-line player in the NHL. That's the first thing. And the second thing Arantanen. I would say is Arantanen, yeah. one of the big reasons, and, and this is the value, I never pretend to know that much more than the fans who are so passionate. And the, But the, one of the things about being around the team constantly is you get to know the characters a little bit. This kid is oozing character, and his confidence has not exploded all of a sudden. Like, he, yes, he's not getting a lot of opportunity. Yes, the last nine games, he's got like four shots on net, and he's not scoring, and he's hard on himself. But I'm telling you right now, he has very strong perspective on what is – he is able to keep it in perspective that he's 18 and playing in the he hardest. He trusts Marty St. Louis. That's very important. He really he does. And there's, their communication with him is so good on a daily basis from Adam Nicholas to Marty to yeah. Kent Hughes. They are, they're taking care of this kid here. They're not just yeah. letting him sink and saying, oh, well, it's up to him. Like, they're taking care of him. Yeah, they – yeah. I still think he should have went to the World Juniors. But uh, anyway, on that note, well, guys. will be back by now. Guys, I want to wish you guys a, a, a fantastic 2023. There's a lot of things I wish for you guys. But, you know, above all, number one, always the most important is health. And I hope you guys have it. And I hope you have a lot of it in 2023 to you and your families. Thanks again, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, Happy New Year to everyone. All right. There. there you have it. I'm, uh, I'm Marc-Andre Perot of TVA Spot and Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Hey, uh, we gave everything we could tonight, and we hope you appreciated it. Comment sick and hit the like button if you like what you heard and like what you saw if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Once again, you can comment sick and hit the like button. And if tomorrow you're going to be listening on Google, Apple, or Spotify, please leave us a five-star review. One guy left me a three-star review because he said he doesn't like when I talk about my looks. I lost two stars for that. My God, it broke my heart. Hey, do you want to join the sick army? You want to have even more fun? Than you do when watching on YouTube Live for exclusive emojis, a membership badge during our YouTube live chat. It's $2.99 per month. What are we going to do with this money? We're going to donate it all. All the proceeds are going to charity. Click the link in the description of this video or go onto our channel and click join so you can have the emoji of is this a joke? or the emoji of emoji two now, or the emoji of I'm Marinaro, or the emoji of double shift your best players. There it is, $2.99 per month. Once again, click on the link in the description of this video, or go on to our channel and click join. It's that easy. Wow, what a fantastic show we had on uh, this Wednesday, January 4th. It is 11.13 p.m. Eastern and once again, I want to thank all of our sponsors and those who bring it to you. Energy Transportation Group, 8.6 Beer, and Lacage. I'm embracing the tank. You should too. Connor Bedard in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. It's nice to dream. And sometimes dreams do come true. Tell your friends about the sick podcast. Tell them about me. Tell them about Agnello. Tell them about Sammy. Tell them the podcast gets more and more sick every day. Have a sick night. I'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. Hopefully talking about a Team Canada gold medal win at the World Juniors. And another Montreal Canadiens loss. Please, God. Connor Bedard. Please.
Ciao for now. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.